News Talk On Demand. Interruption-free audio where you want it, when you want it. Good morning, and welcome to Garden Talk on 650-CKOM and 980-CJME. I'm Jay Thomas. With me, like always, Rick Van Dyvendyke. Good morning, Rick. Good morning. And we don't have Jill with us today for a very special reason, because today, in fact, is a very special milestone for Jill. Yep. So we've got to say happy birthday. Happy birthday, Jill, if you're listening. It is the I doubt she's listening. She's probably not listening. (laughs) She's probably asleep still. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Her and her sister and a bunch of friends went to Kelowna for Jill's 40th birthday. Amazing. So happy so, birthday, Jill. Yep. Congratulations. We're still here to take your calls, though. We've got a two-hour show lined up for you. one 332 8255 is the number you call to join the conversation. Uh, we're going to get to some text right away, and yep. we'll talk about a few more things. We've got the early bird getting the worm and a call on the line already as we're starting off the show. So awesome. let's go Perfect. to Saskatoon here and talk to Marianne. Good morning, Marianne. Good morning, what is your question for us? Well, I have a linden tree, and it's like form buds and everything, but it's now leafed out. The branches are not dry. They've got mice in them. Uh, what are the chances of it surviving? Uh, good yet. There's a bu- lots of trees that have done that. I have a bunch around the garden center right now that haven't leafed out at all. Not, not linens, but they're ash. But they, I know they'll leaf out <laughs> probably as, as another two, three, four weeks from now, all of a sudden they'll poof, they'll, they'll leaf out. I have an oak tree at home that's really slow, and uh, but it, there again, it will leaf out as well. So it's, uh, it's a lot, this last winter was really brutal on a lot of, a lot of the trees, and, yeah. um, and so then you're seeing a lot of shrubs that lost, um, lost a lot of branches on it and some trees. I hear people with maple trees that, yeah. uh, that, that are having trouble with the top part of the tree leafing out, and even lindens. Um, uh, what happens is that one thing you have to be very careful about is that is that keeping the plant growing too long. So fertilizing too late in the season, but also watering too lo- too much, you know, because we all want to keep our lawns green, but the, the tree's sitting in the lawn, and we're watering, and then the trees don't turn color, and the leaves don't fall off in the fall. That's when you'll see a lot of damage in the spring. And so you want to make sure that you slow down the watering, and if you, you, if you, if you can't, then you should aerate around the plant, the tree, around the drip line of the tree in the fall, so that you can dry that soil out a little bit, and... Um, and then that way you'll, the tree will actually will turn color and shut down and drop its leaves. Uh, but otherwise, what you want to do right now is, like I said, even with around the, around the drip line of the tree, aerate that plant. See what the moisture is like down 12 to 14 inches down the ground. And see what the moisture is like. See if it's too wet or too dry. You don't know by the surface at all. So uh, find out what the moisture is like down at least 12 inches down. And then, uh, if it's really, if it's, if you find that it's fairly wet, and I like using a piece of rebar, you hear me talking about that quite a bit because it's yep. one of the cheapest things you can buy. <laughs> and it has ribs on it, you can stick it in the ground and you can pull it up, and the ribs bring a sample up. Rather than just using a straight long screwdriver or a, a crowbar, it doesn't bring a sample up. And yep. so the, the piece of rebar brings the sample up. And then you can test it out. If it's if it's wet, like I said, if it's if you find that it's fairly moist, then aerate some more. And if you find you can't get the bar into the ground, it probably is really dry. And then just need to to give it a deep water. Okay. Because lindens like a little bit on the moist side. Okay. Not yeah. not they don't like their feet wet, but they like it on the moist side. Okay. Perfect. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Take care. Okay. Bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. So speaking of like the 
watering or the backing off your watering that yes. part of it in the fall. when when starting um, September long weekend September long weekend so, after that so now ba- you can back just, off just or just back off but keep them alive okay because sometimes we get our hottest part of the summer lately in September mm-hmm and so we get some really hot time, and then so you want to water them enough to you know keep them alive, but enough so that you stress them a bit, that they'll start dropping their leaves. Mm, okay. Okay. All right. Okay. Uh, we've got uh, one of our regulars here. Tom is going to join us right now from yep. Choice Land. Oh no, sorry, he's not ready to go yet. Just here. So we're going to go back uh, to talking about what is happening in the garden center right now. What's yep. going on? Garden centers. Um, hearing from the Regina area, still the tent caterpillars are furious out there. So. A lot of people spraying BTK, which is a biological, doesn't hurt other insects or other birds or anything like that. So you're protecting your beneficial insects and, and uh, so using BTK for those. So I'm hearing that and then way down south I'm hearing that the grasshoppers are becoming really bad again. Mm. So they're in the cycle. So how do you get rid of those in, in the garden, right? It's really tough. So. Um, but the only way you can do that is uh, basically, you know, keep your grass, if you have grass areas, if you're out in the country and that, uh, around your garden, keep it mowed shorter, right? Because then that makes it so that the, you know, other predators can get at the at the grasshoppers mm-hmm. when they're okay. crawling across open ground, right? So yep. not long grass near it. You can do that. You can you can have things like praying mantis. You know, we hear about pra- having, we sell prairie mantis and uh, praying mantis, sorry. <laughs> praying mantis. <laughs> The, the, and, and different things like that, even barn swallows, and they, they love eating grasshoppers. So all those kind of uh, uh, having bird bass around, those kind of things. And if you otherwise you want to use chemical, the the um, the the pyrethrin is probably the best one to use. And but I hear now that I was just reading an article uh, that some of the pyrethrins are going to disappear. Oh no. So, and mainly the aerosols and those kind of things. So the things like the Dr. Dooms and that kind of stuff looks like they might be going away. And um, so I'm just finding out, I just found out about that the other day. So I'm trying to find more information about that. Uh, PMRA, uh, Health Canada decided to to re-look at the whole um, uh, labeling of how they're going to label it for what crops they can put on and how you can use it and that kind of stuff. So, uh, So... There'll be more to come on that. So, but otherwise, you can use that. Or um, I heard, I heard another thing. Just people saying, uh, sprinkle flour onto the onto your vegetables if they're coming into the garden. Mm. Uh, the the flour will gum up their their mouths and that, and they won't be able to do it. So that's a natural way of doing it. Uh, using garlic oil, like uh, like the um, the mosquito barrier, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're, they, the um, grasshoppers don't like that, and a lot of insects don't like that. They get repelled by it, so right. spraying the garlic. And other ones are using like a, a vinegar um, water mixture, so you can, there's different home remedies for that, and uh, that's supposed to work pretty well, too. Okay, all right. Let's go to one of our calls here uh, in Regina. Mike is here to join us. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Hi Good there. Morning. Uh, not so much a question, just more of a, a call in to say thanks and a testimonial to a product, Rick, you've mentioned on a number of recent shows, uh, and that being the groundskeeper fertilizer. Oh, yeah, good. Uh, that is unbelievable. I don't know what kind of magic elixir is in there. But <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, for the lawn nerds out there like me who have been chasing that perfect lawn for years and years, this is the stuff. Uh, it's just incredible. Yeah, so, it's, yeah. It's, a sul- it's a sulfur. 
It's yeah. the sulfur, and especially around in you know the central sort of up Saskatoon and area, uh, because our pH is really high. So anywhere you have got a higher pH soil, it's the 17 sulfur that's in it that lowers that pH, so the plants can take up the nutrients. It only has oh. a 16 nitrogen, so all the other fertilizers have a 30. 28 to 32 nitrogen. This one doesn't need all that heavy nitrogen because it lowers the pH so the plants can uptake the, the nutrients better. Yeah, well, it's just incredible. And and the bonus is you're buying local too. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. Made just outside Saskatoon. So it's, uh, yeah, it's supporting local. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah, well, thanks for your call. call. That's awesome. Yeah. You bet. Bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Yeah, I've uh, I, I'm pretty happy with it. I use that stuff all, all the time myself, yeah. and the lawn always looks pretty good, uh, pretty darn good. Uh, over the years now, I've I've don't even handle the other fertilizers anymore because no one buys it; it just sits on the shelf. Yeah. So people have got to use the groundskeeper, and they just they don't even ask for anything else now. So so it works. <laughs> so you know you, you just keep moving what what people like to buy. Right? Exactly. So exactly. That's, that's all you. That's all you can do. We're gonna take a quick break. We've got uh, Carissa's text from Nippon. We're gonna talk about some apple trees yep. in a second. We'll get to that. And Tom's gonna join us here a little bit too with a question about his spruce tree. So stick around. More to come. I'm Jay with Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Thanks for joining us here on Garden Talk. I'm Jay with Rick Van Dyvendyke, and Jill is celebrating her 40th birthday right now in Kelowna on a, a weekend away. So happy birthday, Jill. Yes. Hope she's enjoying that. we got a whole bunch of calls that are streaming in, so we're going to go with the, the phone lines here. Hi there, Sandra. Hi there. Good morning. Good morning. I, pl- I planted an Amur maple and a mountain ash three years ago and put in a piece of rebar beside it and tied it loosely with an old pair of nylons. Yep. And I'm just wondering, should I be untying it and taking that rebar off, or should I leave it? It's about six feet tall, but, you know, the trunk is still very small. Yeah, I know. How long has it been now? How long have you been in the ground for? Three years. Yeah, no, you can take it off now. Not a problem. I can? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so a real yep. bad wind isn't going to... No, no, the roots are established now. That's all you really want to do is that they're out of the container that you had them in and into the ground around it, and that's all you really want to do is protect it from that. You're, you're fine. Okay, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Andrew. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. one 332 8255 Okay, in Saskatoon, we've got Angela on the line. Hi, Angela. Hi. Hi there. I have a question about moving a hosta in the next week or so. It's well established. We've had it for a few years, um, but we have to move it. It's at the north side of the house. Um, I'm wondering if it's safe to move it. It's just getting ready to bloom, but it has to be moved in the next week as we're having an air conditioner installed in that exact same spot. Yep. Um, If you're going to move it, it's not great to do, but I've done it. So just make sure you take a, you know, have two people, right? Have a shovel on either side of it and, and dig it and lift it with a good ball of earth, okay? So it can't break up and go bare root, okay? So take as okay. much take as much dirt as you can as, as two of you can lift together, right? And so as much dirt as you can and then have the hole dug already that you're going to go, that where you're going to, because you can move it in the yard somewhere, right? In the shade again, in the same yard, is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, so just have the hole pre-dug. Lift it with a shovel, and then, you know, that you, like I said, as much dirt as you can physically carry, and then um, then move it to another hole, and you have no problems at all. That plant won't even look back. 
okay, should I fill the new hole with water or anything like that before placing it in the new hole? If it's really dry when you pre when you pre dig the hole and it's really dry, you can yes, and then okay, s- give it a soak. Uh, if if it's moist, and then just go move it and then give it a good watering after you move it. Okay, great. Thank okay. you. You're welcome. Thanks, Angela. Take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We're gonna keep going with the calls because they keep coming in, which is so good. Uh, in Unity, Lorene is joining us. Hi, Lorene. Hi there. Um, I have uh, five Siberian cedars showing lots of signs of browning and dying. I put a whole bottle of insecticidal soap on them. I water them every week. I spray them with water because I think it's those spiders. Um, birds are spending hours in there picking at something, so they're. There's something in there. How can I help these? Okay, so um, number one is that um, watch your watering. Don't overwater them, okay? They like to be moist, but if you make them wet, the Siberian cedars won't like that, okay? Okay. Um, so just watch that. Is the, yeah, just keep them moist. Also, um, during the month of June, you should make sure that's when they put all the growth on. Make sure you fertilize them, okay? And using a water-soluble fertilizer, not a slow release. Whenever i got oh. a plant that's in stress, I'll use a, a water-soluble, which gives them instant fertilizer, rather than a slow-release fertilizer that lasts all summer long, Okay. Okay. And that, so that's better. And then you want to fertilize from basically, if the plant's in trouble, fertilize from Mother's Day until July 15th and then stop. Okay? Because the, okay, plants, wh- the plants go dormant by August. So they, they've set their buds for next year, and you don't want to com- get them growing past that. Okay? You want to get them getting ready for wintertime. Okay. What's a water-soluble? Just a 30-10-10 for those ones if you really want to get them growing. Okay. And how big is the cedar? Oh, they're thirty years old. Uh, they're okay. eight by eight. Eight by eight. So you're going to use yeah. you're going to use a five gallons of water mixed with thirty ten ten, poured around the drip line of the tree, so the outside edge of the tree. Yeah. And then you'll get it. Now the insect that's inside there. Um, it, there's two things that we might get it. A spider mite is number one. Okay. The other one would be a, a, a scale, but you'll see the scales on. They look like a little hard, uh, little oyster, almost like a little scale on the on the branches of the, of the plant. Okay, so if you see these scales, they look like yeah, they they look like a scale on on, on the branches. And what they do is, when they're hard, you can't get them. You have to wait till they're in the crawling stage, where they're a little bit fuzzy, a little bit soft. Then you can get them then. So those are the two things that, that bother uh, the, the, the cedars the most. Okay. Well, thanks so much. Okay. You're welcome, Lorene. Take care. Okay. Bye. one 332 8255 going all over the province today. Pilot Butte right now and to talk to Terry. Hi there, Terry. Hi. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm fantastic. So I have a couple problems. My first problem is my raspberry bushes have tons of bees, but all the leaves look like Swiss cheese. So I'm wanting to know what I can do to help bush get back healthy um just using the organic fertilizer compost or organic fertilizer and get them to get them to grow you don't want to use a high high nitrogen okay because uh, then you won't get as much fruit on them okay and so just using an organic uh, like a fruit and berry type of fertilizer or there's lots of organic type of fertilizers that that have a low nitrogen but have a lot of the 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 phosphorus potassium and then they have boron they have zinc they have calcium they have all the other micronutrients in it you know and that's what your plants will need to do very well and so, then just, so there's nothing eating it like yeah, it looks like something's eating the leaves there probably is the problem is is that if, with all those bees how do you spray them 
I know. Right? What's that diatomaceous earth, if that's how you pronounce yeah, it? Yeah, diatomaceous earth works really good because the you but you you can sprinkle it onto the plant. Okay, uh, what yeah. happens is that it, or if it especially works on crawling insects the best because as soon as they get this diatomaceous earth, which which is like crushed up seashells, okay, it right. gets into their joints and it basically dehydrates them. Okay. Will it hurt the bees? Uh, well, if it can hurt the bees, if it gets onto the bees, but that's why you usually have it on the ground around the plant so that okay. the, when they're crawling, right? Right. So, okay, um, because it's a dust, so it's hard to stay on the leaves, obviously, right? Exactly. exactly. So, um, so that's why it'll just fall off, anyways. But, but that's the problem is the bees. And so I don't want to tell you using chemicals to spray them, right? Exactly. Because yeah. then you're going to affect the bees. So, um, uh, so it's a, it's a tough one, and just keeping them growing, keeping them healthy, and yeah. the plant can just put new leaves out all the time, and then you'll be fine. Okay, and also, um, I have some mites here that really like my cucumber plants. What can I do to um, get the little Mickey back to Disneyland? <laughs> and you said mites, you said? I, no, mice. Like oh, mice. Problem. Yeah. Mice or voles? Yeah. I'm not sure which. Probably voles. Okay, use a, a shoebox or a box or something that you can put them in. Get it, Go to your dollar store and get yourself some little cheap wooden snap traps okay okay put yeah some, i can do that i've got those yeah, already put so some perfect. peanut butter peanut butter and a craisin or raisin on top of the peanut butter okay, the perfect. reason why i put them in a box for so that you don't catch the birds oh great idea okay great thank you thank okay. you so much i love your show so uh, keep going thank thanks terry appreciate right. it thanks. have a great day yep. you too bye-bye one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. you know <laughs> I, I I can't stand uh, rodents like that, and so I'm a, I'm a wimp, and I'll admit this. You know, I've I've u- had to use them. There's once that m- a mouse or two got into my garage. I must have left the door open for too yep. long during yep. the day. Somebody snuck in there, right? And then you find some evidence. But uh, I bought the snap traps that where the mouse has to crawl inside. Yep, and then it does its thing and takes care of the mouse and i'm not even like it's a reusable snap trap yep, technically yep. you can you can empty it and then and yep. reset it right nope whole thing right into the garbage just oh. I'm, <laughs> i don't care if that's two dollars that's two dollars well spent in my opinion i'm not cleaning that thing out yeah you don't live in the country like i do <laughs> i do not i do not live in the country yeah, it's constant yeah. <laughs> i wish i could i wish i could have a cat or two actually some of the neighbors cats are hanging around quite a bit but uh, but my dog doesn't doesn't like she herds the cats around oh so. yeah okay that's a problem yeah <laughs> that's a problem okay sorry if we haven't gotten to your text yet or your call of course it's been busy already ed and regina hang on we're gonna get to your call shortly lana and eagle lake same thing as well we'll get to your call as soon as we get back so stick around guys we're gonna get to your stuff right away i'm jay with rick van Dyven. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Welcome back to the show. Hope you're enjoying your beautiful Sunday. It's a nice day where we are, uh, looking at sunshine and some pretty warm temperatures around this week. Yep. It, it also means, though, Rick, I suppose, uh, keeping the water going, right? Well, keeping the water going, but the biggest one is that, uh, two things, is that because we're watering our containers and everything else so much, you need to fertilize them probably once a week, okay? Or more. Or, more, or, or depending if you're watering a lot. And then also watching, because we have a lot of vegetables in the containers and in the garden, mm-hmm is because with hot, you end up watering quite a bit. Uh, try to be consistent with your water with moisture, okay? Yes, yeah. If when you go wet, dry, wet, dry, wet, dry, things like your your squash, your your cucumbers, your 
peppers, and especially your tomatoes mm-hmm. and even your pumpkins will get blossom end rot. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now you can help that by adding calcium, but it's really consistent. Consistent watering is what will prevent blossom end rot. So that that's that's important, and then also making sure that you don't have automatic sprinklers not to turn on. A lot of people like watering at nighttime because they said I don't get the evaporation. But the problem with that is that when you have water droplets sitting on the leaves all night, that's when you get powdery mildew and other fungals and that happening in the garden. So um, so you don't want to do that. And even on shrubs like nine barks and those kind of things, uh, alp- currants and currants and alpine currants, they they are susceptible to powdery mildew. Uh, when the when the water's sitting on the leaves, so your sprinklers are hitting the leaves all the time. Yep. You want to be doing that in the morning when the sun comes up and then dries the leaves off right away. Mm-hmm. Then it's not a problem. Gotcha. Just sitting all night on the leaves is not good for all the plants. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, let's go to our calls because we've got lots that have rolled in here. So waiting the longest, I believe, is Ed, who is in Regina this morning. Hi there, Ed. Good morning. Good morning. morning. Good morning. I have two two issues. One is I have a couple of uh, sour cherry trees, two cherry trees. Yep. One's an Evans cherry, and the other's, I'm not sure of the variety, but they were kind of matched for about five years, and they don't bear any fruit, okay. no cherries. They blossom in the springtime, kind of, and nothing materializes. Okay. And uh, so this has been going on for about five years, and the, yet the plants look so healthy. The leaves are nice and waxy. They're, they're bushy. They almost need to be trimmed. Because yep. they look like they're overgrowing. Yep. So that's one issue. And following that, almost similar, are my raspberries. And those are about four or five years in the ground. I, I weed the canes out, I thin them out. Boyne and another ever bearing. And what happens on one of them, I think it's the ever bearing, the fruit just sort of forms up but becomes very hard, just like a stone. Yep. And it's kind of red, not even reddish, it's kind of brownish. And uh, again, no productivity from either of those two plants. What can I do? Okay, so first of all, in the cherries, you're looking at about seven, sorry, five, three to five years to get production of of a young young plant, but normally you get some, not none at all. But the other one that that tells me that what the issue is, you said that the leaves were nice and glossy green and the plant was growing very vigorously, right? Mm -hmm. You need to... um, Go out there and talk bad to those plants. <laughs> you need to not treat them so nice. Okay, you need to go cut off the fertilizer, and because the sour cherries, especially, they don't like fertilizer at all. They need to be stressed to produce. Okay. Okay. So you need to slow down. You need to give it a pruning as well. This this fall, you know, once the leaves start falling off, give it a pruning. And then slow down the watering now. Don't give it any fertilizer anymore at all. There's lots of nutrients in the ground for that one for quite a few years. And then, uh, and then just let it, let it do its own thing. And you watch, you'll start getting some fruit on it. Okay. They just, they don't, they've done that, all kinds of research in, in, in the university about that. And they, they, you definitely want to keep them in a more stressed. They'll produce like crazy if they're more stressed. Okay. All right. So that's why, yeah, just, just Is it, don't treat them nice. Are those trees in, uh, like, a lawn where it gets lots of fertilizer because of the lawn? No, I, ha- no. I have them in just in a sort of a special area where I have some cedars. Yep. And uh, and I fertilize my cedars. Yep. And I don't know if I even, I, I probably have fertilized them because I thought that was the thing to do. Yep. But it's just, uh, they're, they're, they've got the best soil. And right beside it is uh, I have a wild choke cherry tree yep. that has grown on its own. And I get lots of choke, uh, Saskatoon berries, I should say. Yeah. Well, Saskatoon's a different. It's sour cherry is the one that is different than other fruit plant plants completely. Yeah. Whereas yeah. they don't. 
don't like is you've got really rich soil, obviously. Yeah. And so then you, know, you just want to basically stress it out, don't water it quite as much, you know. And get, pruning it stresses the plant a bit. So give it a pruning this fall. Okay. And then also, uh, you know, thin it out and, and do whatever you need to. Don't, don't be afraid to prune it, okay? Okay. And, uh, and then, um, um, then hopefully we'll get some, some fruit next year. Very now, good. on your sastoons are turning hard. A lot of times that has to do with the type of uh, moisture you have in there, too. Make sure you're not too wet or too dry. That, that's the big one for, for the, the raspberries. Raspberries, okay. Raspberries. For the raspberries, okay. Uh, also, you're getting lots of bees. Uh, I think I get some. I tried okay. to even put up one of those. Uh, what do you call that little house for? Uh, yep, for the for the for the uh, for the leaf cutters and that. Yeah, yeah. Yep, because a lot of times, sometimes if they don't get pollinated properly, they'll actually either abort or they'll turn hard on you. Okay, mm-hmm. so watch for that. But also, but the big one is that too too wet or too dry. Both those will make hard raspberries as well. Okay. Okay. So just watch that, and uh, and if you're going to fertilize any of your fruit trees, just use a, a, a it's called fruit and berry, and so what it is is fruit and berry fertilizer for fruit trees. It's for it has all the micro the micronutrients in it, so more it has more boron, uh, calcium, and all those kind of things, and very like only a one or a two nitrogen. That's it. Mm. Okay, and that's all you need because they, they, you you want to have all those other type of nutrients in there, and even things like a compost is good. Okay, right. Okay. Okay. Well, thanks for that advice. You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. Yep. Good luck. Take care. Ed. Bye bye. Bye bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Thanks for all your patience, everybody who's waiting to get on here. Let's go to Eagle Lake right now, and we're going to talk to Lana. Hi there, Lana. Hey, how you doing? Great. Hey, how are you? Doing well, thank you. Uh, I'm just in my garden now. I'm calling you because, you know, all my potato plants have, like, little polka dots on them. Almost, and some of them, like, are little holes. And when I bend down, I can see the odd. It almost looks like a flea beetle. But the thing is, we haven't had a lot of rain here. Like, since the snow melt, maybe I've had two and a half inches of rain over that whole period of time. I haven't watered the potatoes, but we've been diligent in, you know, disturbing the soil around them and hilling them and all yep, that. But yep. are, are, I, I've never seen flea beetles on potatoes, mm. but all the leaves have these tiny little pock holes in them. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the, some of the, the beetles, the, they'll come in, and whether it be the potato bugs or the flea beetles, and sometimes they'll, they'll come in and they'll just, because they're hungry, because the other crops were late, right, and they uh-huh. didn't get in quite as quickly, and uh-huh. so now they'll eat anything until, until the canola crops come up, right? And those kind of things, that's their, that's, that's their favorite, right? Um, or marigolds or alyssum. They love alyssum and those kind of flowers and that kind of stuff. So, but they'll pretty much eat anything. So you just, just, uh, that cycle is probably almost finished now. And so you should be able to, if it's only a few holes, I wouldn't worry about it. If oh, you, no, all the, all, the, all the leaves are just covered. Oh, is that right? Covered like the polka dots, absolutely. And some of them have actually gone through. And you know how a, a healthy leaf kind of looks plump and everything. Yep. These leaves don't have that look to them. They they look dry. I, I haven't. Do you water potatoes? And yeah. Well, you do have to water potatoes. They need moisture. I mean, you know, two inches of rain uh, normally. But if you get if you get water droplets on, you are you water? You're, you said you're not really watering them though right now, right? I haven't so, watered my potatoes at all. I've watered yeah, everything else, yeah. but not the potatoes or the or the or the onions. You know what yeah. I mean? You might want to give them, a, uh, put the sprinkler on the on those potatoes and get them growing again. 
because they, okay. they need to get new leaves to 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 be able to get to, to be able to uh, replace all the leaves that have that have been polka dotted now, right? So right. give them a shot of water. You don't have to give them a lot of water. Just give them enough water to give them a good, you know, like you, you're not going to water them every day, okay? You might mm-hmm. want to water them once a week type of thing. But at least you give them that supplement. It'd be like almost like an inch of water a week. That's all you want to really give them. Okay, like okay? I, 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 um, I save rainwater and I usually water with a watering can. Yep. So um, I don't even have to water the leaves, just saturate the ground around them. That, that's the best way, actually. Okay. Okay. One more question, if yep. I can. Yep. Okay, so my lilacs, um, very few flowers on them, and you said after they flower to cut them down. And, Correct. Uh, these are old lilacs. Yep. Some of the branches are fairly thick. How low do I cut them down? Okay, well, if this time of the year you're only going to trim basically the flower heads off, okay? If, okay. If you want to do a major pruning or you want to cut them like they're 12 feet high and you want to cut them in half, then you're going to do that when they're dormant, so in the fall, uh, basically okay. in oct- October, or otherwise in March next spring. And then that year, you, you, that next year, you're not going to get very many blooms. But the following year, you'll get lots. Okay. okay? Thank you. Appreciate your time and, and, and info. Okay. All right. Bye. Thanks, Lana. Have a good day. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Uh Paul and Art, hang on guys, we're gonna get to your calls as soon as we can. We're just going in the order that they come in, so thanks for your patience. We're gonna talk with Art about cedars and fertilizing them and a composting question from Paul. Plus we'll get to the text line when we get finally get a chance. We'll be right back. I'm Jay with Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on nine eighty CJME and six fifty CKOM. Thanks for spending your Sunday with us. We really appreciate it. I'm Jay with Rick Van Dyvendyke, and Jill is away celebrating her 40th birthday in Kelowna right now with some friends. So happy birthday, Jill. It means, uh, it means I'm getting older, too. You know that, right? If i got a daughter that's 40 that's years 40. old. That's 40. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? And I'm I'm only five years behind Jill, and I worked for you back when I was 15. I know. So what does that say? I know. <laughs> At Dutch Growers, my first job. Uh, okay, let's go to the phone lines here. Paul is going to be, uh, we'll come and get into your call, Paul, right away, but Art's been waiting just a little bit longer here in Estevan. Thanks, Art, for waiting. How are you? Yeah, good. I'd like to ask the question, I have towering cedars, and yep. can I cut them down to half? Yes, but but do it not right now. They're in, they're in active growing mode right now, so you yeah. want, you want to do it in September. Even September's fine, okay? Or fall. Yep, or fall. That's fine, but just not right now because right now they're actively growing. The saps are pushing up. Right. Okay, and then make sure when you cut them, you what I do is I when I reach in from the backside because okay, usually the backside is more bare, right? Because it's, yeah. it's not at full unless it's in the wide open. So I reach in from the back and I go in and I, I take a saw and I cut the main branches first, okay, and the main trunks. Okay. Then that leaves all the side little branches. So then I can go come around the front and I take my hedge trimmers and I can kind of get it up into a point again rather than starting from the outside and just cutting it flat across the top. Okay. They just look better. Okay. And the other question I got uh, as far as I have a 10-10-10 granular fertilizer yep. and I'm uh, can you uh, how much do you apply on a tree like typically a 10 10 10 so it's a water soluble mixed with water is that right no it's uh, it, it's granular it's granular yeah. so a 10 10 10 you're not very much nitrogen so you can probably depending on the size of the tree okay if it's a big tree you can probably put about five cups five six cups around that tree evenly around the drip line of the tree okay. if, it's, if it's a small shrub just one cupful Spread, okay. spread even. Black of walnut, so um, twenty some feet. Okay. Yep, not a problem. Okay, 
Hey, so, I have a question, Rick. My wife here. Okay. <laughs> okay. Go um, ahead. So I'm trying to, I've tried to grow uh, cucumbers in raised garden beds yep. with no success. I take them down to the big garden, put them into the soil in the big garden, and I have absolutely no issues. But in a raised garden bed, um, they kind of, they, they, they germinate, they grow, yep. and then they just turn like almost white. Yeah, well, white means usually sunburn, okay? So, so it usually means that the you, the you, one thing about uh, raised gardens is that they're hotter, warmer, they dry out quicker. So you just got to watch and be consistent with your watering, okay? Right. And then you, that's why you're getting the sunburn. They're they're basically drying out, okay? So, so just, they're in self watering um, pots. Um, pots. Yeah, but so, but not, also yeah, not not pots. Uh, they're yeah, cattle well, troughs, well. and we made them self watering. Yep. So they're always getting water from the bottom. Uh, once, once, once the roots hit the bottom, though, but until the roots hit the bottom where that water is, right, they're going to capillary action. The water is going to come up and soak the soil, right? Okay. So, so watch because also, depending on the type of soil you have, depending how the capillary action of the water that sucks the water up, uh, sometimes it'll, they won't until the roots get down there, they, they sunburn. Or what happens is that if, depending on the type of soil you have, you can also make the soil too wet. And then you'll get the same, same situation because the plants, the plants can't, uh, it, the water's too wet and the plants don't take up nutrients. They don't take up water properly, everything else, because it's just too wet. So watch that if you use that self-watering and, uh, just poke, probe the soil, just like you would with a piece of rebar and right. just check what the soil's like. Right. But a lot of times, it's if they're turning white, it's usually sunburn. So that means that the plant is reacting to, to how the how the watering is happening. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you so much, and happy birthday. Head to Jill. Yes. Thanks a lot. Take care. Right. Take care. All right. Bye, bye, guys. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We've got uh, just a couple minutes here. We're gonna go to Paul's question right now and squeeze him in before we got to get to the end of our show here for the first hour. Hi, Paul. Morning, guys. Good morning. Um. Boy, did I screw up. <laughs> I hate to say this. Composting. Yep. I've been doing this for 10 years now. Yep. Yesterday, I went out, uh, put some water in there to add some moisture, and I smelt something rotting yep. in there. So I started digging around. I figured it was almost ready to go, and I found meat. Oh, I, I know it's meat because there was a bone in there. Yep. <laughs> yeah, okay. I, I, don't know, I don't know how I did this, but I'll take full responsibility yep. for it. Have I destroyed that load? Uh, no, you can, you can, what you can do is if you can find where that bone was, you can just dig that part of it out if you want, right? Yeah. And, um, so, I mean, I mean, the thing is, though, is that as long as you, you can get it up to where it can, you know, dry out. And, and, cause the problem is, is that when it's in amongst the compost, it's, it's just, fermenting right yeah it's bacteria it's, in there, right? it's bacteria in there so you, yeah. the best thing to do is if you can just dig that part of it out and just you know put it off to the side so that it can sit on top of the ground and not be fermenting in the ground and let it dry out quicker okay and then oh, like dump and dump my barrel like that so well i've built a barrel that rolls okay. around yeah, just you know. just dump dump it out and see if you can clean out that part of it, and then then you can start. It's probably ready to go anyways. You were saying, right? So just well, try to. Yeah, but there's mold in there now. I'm, oh, I'm seeing mold yeah. on the stuff. Yeah, then you may want to just you may want to just get rid. Of, if it's if it's from that meat, you may because of what you're going to be using in your vegetable garden. Yeah, you want, yeah. might might want to just use that part around the shrub bed or something like that. You know, rather okay. than in the garden. 
so what do I do with with the barrel now? Do I have to sanitize that uh, barrel? Or? No, it'll be fine as long as you get all the stuff out of it. It'll be fine. There won't be enough in there to really to really bother it again. Oh, okay. Okay. Thank thank you so much for your time. Man. You're welcome. Yep. Thanks again, yep. Paul. Take care. Bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. I'm Jay with Rick. You can join the conversation that way. We're going to go to our text line when we get back. I'm and enjoy the the uh, news update right now. More to come. Talk to you soon. I'm Jay here on Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Thanks for joining us and welcome to the second hour of Garden Talk. I'm Jay with Rick Van Dyvendyke. Happy birthday to Jill, who's celebrating her 40th right now, and she's away from the show today. Uh, you know, having her birthday off, which is pretty fair, I'd say. Yeah, I, uh, think, I think they're doing the wine tour. <laughs> <laughs> That's like a, a fancy version of bar hopping, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> okay, uh, we're going to go to our text line. Thank you to everybody who's been waiting patiently for their text to get answered. We have some time now to do that. So here we go. Uh, this is Carissa in Nipawin. Hi there. I've got two apple trees I planted last year from local nursery. I believe they are Norkent and Norland. Yep. They did great last year. However, as of right now, they still have not budded out and don't have any leaves or signs of green. Ooh. Uh, branches are still flexible. They had good snow coverage and have been well watered. Will they come back? What do I do to help them out? Yeah. I've, I've seen the, a lot of apple trees this year. Um, the, they've had, they got sunscald when that late snow came. In in, Mar- in March, beginning of April, it made the snow. Losing the in the spring, the snow was dull, right? Because it has dirt and dust and everything on it. And fresh snow came, and the sun was up higher in the air, in 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 the sky, and you had reflection off the snow and hit the bark. And you're going to notice blemishes on the bark, like even black spots or or looks like uh, like a rusty red blotches on the bark. And you won't see it on the north side, but you'll see it on the south side of the plant. And uh, then you, you've got, and especially on the younger plants, you've got sunscald, which means it damaged the bark. And that means that the, the, the sap can't flow up the plant anymore. So if that happened, then the tree is done. Um, so you have to start again. So, But otherwise, what you can do is that if, if you see lots of, you can take your fingernail or little pruners and give it a little nick. And if you see that the, the bark underneath the the, the uh, the the sap underneath the bark, if you see that it's really, really dark green, it may still come yet. But if you see it sort of like a lime yellow color or mm-hmm. brown, it's, it's not going to come back. Mm, okay. Okay. So that might be uh, having to use you know, maybe your warranty from the, yep. the builder or the, exactly. the garden center, pardon me, you, you got it from. Exactly. That sort of thing. And right? then what you ha- what, if you have years like that, the best thing to do, especially when it's young, put a, put a white tree guard right from the bottom up to the first set of branches. Um, or even just past the first set of branches, and and the white re- will reflect the sunlight when you get years like that. Okay, it, it's not it doesn't happen every year. This is just a weird year. This was that's all it was. Mm, gotcha. Okay, this is from uh, Laurel. Uh, how long should I leave my onions under crop cover? Uh, well, pretty close by now that you probably can get them. T- because all the you know the 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 flies would have came out of the ground. They've been looking for those onions already. Okay. So you're probably pretty close um, to taking it off now. So if you want to do what's this? What's this? June the eleventh, right? Yes, right. Yep. If you wanted to wait like another week, that'd be fine. And but you could take it off after that for sure. The only thing it and then you can use a crop cover for your cabbage or mm-hmm. different you know different cabbage moss or different other bugs. Or if you got grasshoppers coming through, you can even help. That that would even help. Helping the grasshoppers see if you got grasshopper problems, uh, putting that crop cover over to make make sure the grasshoppers don't get certain vegetables that they like better than 
others. Mm. Okay. Okay. Uh, this is from Barb in Battleford, one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Says I'm noticing many uh, of my flowers have thrips. What yep. do I do to get rid of that? Thrips are tough. Thrips are tough. Um, all you can really do is because you don't want to be spraying the flowers with anything, but you can spray the leaves, not uh, even with an endol. Endol has canola oil, insecticidal soap, and also a little bit of pyrethrin in it, and that's probably the probably the best one to use and um, to spray. But just don't be dousing the flowers because you'll put little brown spots in the flowers. But hit all the leaves. Okay. All right. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. This is from Lynn, who's in Moose Jaw. What do I do for powdery mildew on my zucchini and squash? Um, powdery mildew. You can use uh, garden sulfur. That works really well. And some people even said that they've even mixed uh, a half and half solution with milk and water, and sprayed it on them because the because the protein in the milk got rid of the powdery mildew. Oh, okay. I've never tried that, but I've just heard that people have tried that and it worked. So. There's home remedies that work too, but otherwise just uh, garden sulfur works really good. We use that in the greenhouse all the time. Okay. Uh, Matt is in Creelman. says, we planted a few lilac shrub trees. Once these are done blooming this first year in the ground, should we trim them back as we do the established lilacs? Absolutely. Also, what uh, fertilizer do we use with the new ones at this time of year? Yep. You want to get them growing. So 30, 10, 10, 20, 20, 20, any one of those ones, okay. water-soluble fertilizer, new plant, two liters of water. Basically, uh, mixed with the fertilizer, it tells you the directions of how much to put in two liters of water. And yes, all lilacs, as soon as they finish blooming, basically deadhead them. Mm, right. Okay? That's what you're basically doing with them. So that next year, you get twice as many blooms. Gotcha. Uh, this is Linda, who's about half an hour north of Prince Albert. Says, I planted a sour cherry seed about two years ago. Yep. And it's quite bushy now, about nine inches tall and in a small pot. Perfect. Uh, should I repot it into a larger pot, keep it in the house another year, or should I transplant it outside? It's oh, only nine inches. Nine inches. You could transplant it outside if you want, or you can keep it in a pot, whatever you want it to do. Now, will, the, will if you go outside with that thing, yep. will the critters be after it in the winter? Will the, 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 the deer or will the rabbits eat that thing? Well, Just usually, nothing. It's, usually it's nine inches tall that's going to be totally covered with snow, so it won't be, bad, won't be a problem. Okay. So usually it's covered right up and it's, yeah, it's, don't have to worry about it. Or if you're worried about them, just throw a box over top of it for the wintertime. Yeah. Okay. Right. Perfect. Fill it full of leaves or whatever and throw a box over top of it. And then now you protected it. Hey, uh, this is from uh, Shay who's in Prince Albert. I ended up with potato beetles last season. I have beetles and eggs on my plants this season. I've been handpicking the beetles and eggs. What else can I do? I have a pot popper nematode. I was thinking of buy, uh, burying around the base of the plants. What type of plant was that again? Sir? Pot popper. Oh, okay. oh, these are just potatoes. Oh, potatoes. Yeah, yeah. Potato so beetles. potato beetles. Yeah, picking them. Um, the problem is, is that spraying them. You have to be careful because the, when they're flowering the potatoes, then they got the bees around. So if you're going to spray them, then you have to do use a pyrethrum product. And but you use it at nighttime when the bees aren't around, mm. right? Mm -hmm. So that's the best time to do it. But other than that, uh, picking them and uh, the diatomaceous earth around the soil around the plants will get them too because when they're crawling on the soil, then they'll, um, that, that diatomaceous earth will get into their get into their um, into their joints and dehydrate them as well. All right. Let's go to our phone lines uh, because we've got a couple of calls that have just rolled in recently. Waiting the longest in Saskatoon is Julie. Hi there, Julie. Hi there. Um I have a couple of just, uh, you know, cheapy ferns that I think I bought them at Home Depot last year. And my son uh, said in the fall, I'm going to keep those alive in the garage. And he put a, a hydroponic light on them. Yep. They 
they weathered really well over the winter, but um, they got, they're ginormous. And I don't know if I have to switch the pots now, and if I do, how do I get those ferns out of that pot? It seems really, really, like, tight and root-bound, and they're really leggy, and, uh, you know, the under the under part of them are really leafless, yep. just strings, but the, the center of it is really vibrant and green. Yep, just prune them. Give them a give them a haircut. They'll love it. Okay. Yeah, give them a haircut. Love it. And getting them out of the pot. Yeah, just uh, best thing to do is if they're really big, uh, depending on the, on the shape of your pot, right? Some pots have a bell in them, right? So it's hard to get them out if there's a bell in them. But if they have nice, uh, you know, like tapered sides, just lay the pot on the side and just put two hands on it and you know foot on it and give it a pull. It'll come out. Okay. Okay. And because there'll be a root mass on there, those come out with no problem. And then you can just go to one size larger pot if you want. Okay. And uh, that's not a problem. And give it a haircut. I mean, in uh, usually every every winter we have ours too. Like and we just give them a haircut right down to the nubs almost, and let them come right back again. They 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 they'll they won't mind that at all. Okay, thanks for the call there. one 332 8255 We're going to take a quick break. Brian, hang on. We're going to get to your call as soon as we get back. We're going to talk about some tomato plants. Yeah, what to do with those. And, of course, more texts on the way. I'm Jay with Rick Van Dyven Dyke. This is Garden Talk on 980-CJME and 650-CKOM. Welcome back to the show. We've got lots of text to get to, which we'll move to right away. But first, it's the calls always that get to go first. So I'm uh, going to go to the phone lines here in Saskatoon. Brian's been waiting patiently. Good morning, Brian. Morning, guys. Good morning. Hey, uh, I'm wondering, uh, my tomato plants, since we've had this rain and heat, have really taken off. They're a couple of feet high already. Yep. And... Uh, Third year I've had a garden. I'm just kind of wondering. I'm a little unsure about this pruning. From what I understand, pruning is you take off the really small branches that won't produce any fruit, right? Yeah, which is the little side branches that grow off the side. You see, you'll see them. They're almost like a a little little side uh, air root type of thing, and you'll yeah, see. Yeah, I'm just wondering. Like, when's the best time to do it? Do I do it now, or do I wait till the tomato plant has? Fruit or what? Norm, normally, I like doing it when the when the tomato starts getting a fruit, and then I cut those off so that all the energy goes to the fruit from then on. Okay, now won't that uh, cutting off more branches won't that uh, reduce the plant's uh, capability of like kind of growing? Like no, nope, no, no. When you cut those ones off, it actually will make it so that more energy goes to the the main stem and also to the fruit. And also puts more, it lets more air into the plant, so you you get more sunlight into the plant, and then also you don't get less less diseases and everything else. You got more air movement into the plant. It's like thinning oh. it out a bit. Great. Well, thank you. You've been okay. very helpful. Have a good day. You, you too, you Brian. Too. Thanks a lot. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Over to the, the text line here. Violet is in Priestville. What a good name to be calling a garden show. Violet. Yes. I like it. Uh, I've got some columbines in my flower bed which are starting to bloom but as soon as the flowers are starting to open there's a small insect that looks like a black long flex on the bottom of it that seems to be sucking the flowers until they're dry and colorless it's like a weevil 
Okay. What do you think these pests are? How can I get rid of them? Yeah, it's it's a type of a weevil. You get them in roses. You get them in some other flowers where they'll, they'll drill into the, the, the ball, bottom bulb of the flower, and they basically just suck all the juice out. Eey. So um, so with that, you can you can use uh, the heart. One thing hard about them is that they're, they fly away. They're not just there when you want to get them, right? So if you can see them, you can spray them with uh, with uh, with a bug X out. But otherwise, because the, the one thing nice about bug eggs out is that it does have a little bit of residual to it. So if they come back again, mm-hmm. it gets them that way. Mm, good. But um, but otherwise, they're really tough to, to get those ones because they, they, they come and go. So you, you can't really get on so that's about all you can really do is just use that bug X out. Okay. Uh, this is from Linda, or sorry, Lynn in Regina. About two weeks ago, moved a fern leaf peony. Looked good until a few days ago. Now it seems to be turning yellow. Does it like lots of water, and how deep should I have, have it planted? Yeah, so not, not too deep on the planting. And uh, so you'll see the crown where the crown should be just where the crown was. It, should be, it shouldn't be soil or mulch over top of that. It should be mm-hmm. just at the surface, okay? Uh, if you have mulch now around it, then pull the mulch away because peonies don't like to be wet, mm-hmm. okay? okay? So you don't want to keep them really wet. They like to be moist, but not wet at all. So if they get their, they have a, they have a soft root. So if they're too wet, the root actually starts to rot. And when did she say that she moved it? Uh, looks like, sorry, just a second. Got to go about two just weeks ago. Two, two weeks, weeks ago. ago. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're going to move them, move them in the early spring before they even start budding, if you can. Okay. Mm-hmm. If you move them when, when they're in full leaf like that, then they'll, they'll go under a bit of a stress. Okay. So just keep, keep them, um, keep them moist, but not too wet. And then hopefully they'll pull out of that stress. Linda's in Saskatoon. Hi, I just had new sod installed in our front yard. Looking for advice on watering and fertilizing. Yep, so just keep it moist because you don't want it to dry out. That's uh, the big thing with the sod, yeah. Especially the edges. You always see the edges will dry out first. So just a matter of, because a lot of people aren't home during the day, right? So if you have automatic sprinklers, water them. Or otherwise, just make sure you water them before you leave in the morning and water them when you get home at night. Um, That's the best thing to do. If you want to use a fertilizer, there's lots of uh, starter fertilizers out there. That you can use, or you can even use the um, the green groundskeeper because it yeah. is only a sixteen nitrogen, so it's not a thirty because thirty is too too hot for the of a fertilizer to to burn. It'll burn off the new little roots. So you can use and I if you can use groundskeeper, there's there's two different types. There's one with phosphorus and one with no phosphorus. Use the one with the phosphorus. That's the second number. It has a ten in it. And that's, so it's a green bag, and so that's the one you want to use. Yep, and that's, I, I use yep. that on the sod that I put down, yep. and uh, I had sod up next to an existing lawn yep. I had to add to, and it took maybe half of a season, and then all the grass was the same Let's color. It, it, it all matched up. And if you can't, if you're in some community that you can't find groundskeeper, a lot of them will have a, gra- a, a fertilizer that is for starting lawns, and you can use that too. It has a high, lower nitrogen and higher phosphorus in it. Okay. Over to the phone lines right now in Saskatoon to talk to Don. Good morning, Don. Uh, yeah, good morning. I know you get so many calls with chickweed. My husband has tried so many things, and it's overtaking our lawn. Yep. So the best thing to do is for chickweed is that you basically, the problem with that is you use any herbicides on it, they still go to seed, okay? And they drop a zillion seeds down, those chickweeds, okay? So all you can do is just use your use your regular herbicide. You do for even spot spraying. You don't have to nuke the whole yard because usually it's in patches, right? So try to try to hit those patches with the with the with a spray. Uh, if you want, you can use uh, um, either Killax or another one I like using is is uh, Weed Be Gone because it's an iron product rather than okay, the two four D. And that's then, what but he's the, been using. 
but then also yeah also also use a problem product called uh, bio weed and feed now what the bio weed and feed is, is it's a corn gluten 100% corn gluten, so it's totally natural. It even fertilizes your lawn a bit, but you have to go by the directions because if you try to make it go farther than it's supposed to, it won't work. I'd rather go, you can use it heavier because it won't hurt the lawn, but don't use it less than what the instructions are, okay? And put that on. What that does is that all that chickweed, when it goes to seed, it stops those seeds from germinating. Okay. So it breaks that cycle, basically. It breaks the cycle. Okay, Okay. So it's corn corn gluten. It's called bio weed and feed. It comes in a, in a fertilizer, like a fertilizer bag. And you can put it on with a broadcast spreader, but you have to measure out your lawn and put it on either as much as what they say or heavier than what they say, but not lighter. Okay, so he's used weed be gone, and it still it hasn't done really nothing. Yep. So because of all the seeds keep coming up, right? Okay. Because okay. once you kill the plant, the seeds still are they're viable, and the seeds still spread even after you killed the plant. Okay, and then they just start again. Okay. So, so how many times should a person uh, use that bio weed and feed? Bio weed and feed. You can use it twice a year if you want. Okay. But remember, do not use this in the garden or places where you're going to, or if you're going to start reseeding your lawn, you don't want to use it there. But if you're just trying to maintain your lawn, it works perfect. Okay. Perfect. Okay. okay. Thank you so much. You're Thanks, welcome. Don. Take care. Okay. Okay. Bye-bye. 1-877-332-8255. We're going to sneak back to our text line here for a couple more before we have to go to our break. Um, one, somebody commented here because we had a caller earlier about the raspberries with the holes in the yep, leaves. Yep. And one person suggested maybe they're leaf cutter bees. Is that possible? Uh, leaf cutter, it could be. The leaf cutter bees like a more smoother leaf, like a rose leaf, mm, okay. uh, rather than the rough leaf of a raspberry. So, but it could be also. Absolutely. Okay. Brenda's in Young, Saskatchewan, have a five foot high and five foot wide, seemingly very healthy snowball shrub yep. that only blooms in the bottom eight inches of the plant. How do you get the whole shrub to bloom? Yeah, it basically sheltered a bit. Put a snow fence around or something like that, get it to get the snow around it, because you can see it basically only bloomed where it had protection. So you must be a high wind area or something where the sun gets, gets warm and then you get warm, cold, warm, cold. Could be up against a house or something like that, where where the uh, where the flower buds get damaged because of the heat and you know in the daytime and cold at night um, uh, against the house or wind. So just uh, yeah, put a snow fence or something like that, protect it from the, the reflecting sun off the snow, or or otherwise gather more snow around it, and you'll get the bloom a lot farther up. Let's go to this text here, Ross in Saskatoon, because we were talking about groundkeeper fertilizer just a moment ago. Yep. Can you can you he asks us basically? You know, there's two different types. Yes. When do you use what type? What do you okay. recommend throughout the year? What's what's the difference? So. I, li- I like using a, a groundskeeper fertilizer. I use a, a, the one with phosphorus in the spring. Which is the green one? With the green one. Yeah. I'll use, because I use it three times a year, right? Once in the spring, once in the fo- in the summer, and once in the fall. So okay. you're looking at about July is where we're going to put other, another uh, application on. Uh, so the other, I'd use the one with no phosphorus, because the phosphorus doesn't go away from the soil that quickly. Okay, so use the zero one, so it's orange bag in the summertime, and then in the fall you can either use the zero or the or the green bag in the fall. Doesn't matter. Okay, so you can kind of alternate yep. is what you're saying. Alternate if you want. Yep. Is it a problem with keeping going with the green bag though? Nope. 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 Not at all. Not at all. But you know, some some people don't like using that much phosphorus, and and so then th- that's why there is a zero phosphorus. So, um, so if you if you're having good success, just use use the alternate, and it works. That's 
will be a perfect uh, scenario and perfect way of getting along nice and green. Perfect. We're going to stop right there. News update for everybody right now. More texts are getting answered as soon as we get back. I'm Jay with Rick Van Dyke. You're listening to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. The show is streaming by quick, but still lots of text to go through, so we'll get there in a moment. I'm Jay with Rick Van Dyven Dyke, and Jill is away right now celebrating her birthday. Uh, we've got some calls on the way. One thing I wanted to do before, oh, okay. I want to just mention something, because I've been yeah. talking about the groundskeeper in there and why it does so well here around Saskatoon area anyways, because our pH is high here, okay? Now, down by Regina, okay, so I just want to clarify this, your pH is almost neutral anyways. So the sulfur is not quite as key, okay? With so the lawn. If you can't find if you can't find the groundskeeper, you know, it's in your area where you know that your pH is level, then you can use other fertilizers as well. However, the groundskeeper still has iron, which is well, still one that... has iron, still makes it green, okay? Yeah. So uh, but but so does some of the other Scots fertilizer it has iron they have iron in them as right. well, okay? okay? Yeah. So I mean the the key reason depending on your your pH of your soil, so if you have more alkaline soil, the groundskeeper works really well, okay? Uh, if, if you have a, a, if you have a neutral soil anyways, groundskeeper will still work really well, but it's, it's not a key factor, okay, as, as it is here. Well, sulfur is a big one where we, the sulfur really, that's what makes people's lawn so much different than other people's lawn is because you're lowering the pH, okay? And I suppose then if you're in the Regina area uh, yep. around there, there's the, the, the groundkeeper that is sulfur free, right? The orange nope. bed. Oh, nope. sorry. Nope. That's just phosphorus free. Phosphorus free. Still, okay. Still accepting okay. sulfur, okay? So I'm saying it's, it still will work really well. But it's not a key factor. So okay, I mean, gotcha. I'm just, I'm just saying that you can use other fertilizers too. They will work as, just as well. And, uh, so I just wanted to clarify that, uh, as, uh, that, that it's just not one fertilizer that works. Other fertilizers work. Just some work better in some zones of the so- soil types of soils than other, so- other fertilizers. All right. Let's go to Regina right now and get Annette on the line. Hi there, Annette. Hi. What's your question uh, for us? Uh, have you heard of the shingle plant? No, I haven't. Tell me about it. Oh, I'll be darned. It's uh, uh, it's it's about a foot tall. Okay. There is an actual shingle in the pot, and the it grow, the leaves grow up into the shingle. They have teeth. I'm saying they have teeth, but yeah, yeah. It's really interesting. I forget where they said it came from. Shingle plant. Hmm. Uh, shingle. And it's an actual shingle. Yeah, like a, a wooden cedar shingle. Yeah. And I'm just looking it up right now as you're as you're talking about it. Mm-hmm. There's a uh, there's a name. Uh, I don't know if I can pronounce it. Raphidifora corthasali or yeah. something like that. I've never seen that one. <laughs> you can hardly it, pronounce it, but it, it's yeah. it's a different leaf. It almost looks like a pothos leaf, but it's not a pothos leaf. I'm just looking it online here right now, real quick, on my mm-hmm. phone. But yeah, it's a shingle leaf, and they grow it on a on a on a pine shing or a cedar shingle. I know. Can you believe such a thing? It's yep. Got actual? Well, well, I don't know. Well, I guess they're. I say teeth. Yeah, it probably grabs hold of the shingle and actually feeds off the wood on the shingle. You know. Oh, disconnected. Not sure what happened there. Maybe the phone died. But uh, yeah. thanks for the call uh, there. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, it's a, a house plant. Okay? Yeah, it's a, house it's a house plant, and it's pretty cool. That's pretty wild. I'll have to look for that one. Okay, cool. Uh, 1-877-332-8255. Let's go back to the text line here. 
Uh, this is Julian Alameda. What would be a good tree to plant in an area that was once a slough but is now municipal reserve? Ground is extremely hard, probably mostly clay. Yeah, so plants that'll do best there is things like uh, dogwood, uh, cranberry. Uh, if it's a tree, uh, probably one like uh, a, an alder. Okay, like a prairie horizon alder. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, they will do. Willows will do fine there uh, in those type of areas. Like they're both a shrub willow. There's there's um, there's sand willows. Those all kinds of different things that will do good there. Um, so yeah, willows, cranberries, um, dogwoods. Those are the type of plants that would probably do the best in that type of area. Okay, perfect. Uh, this is, uh, who is this? Greg in Regina. There we go. Good morning, guys. We have a three-foot-high by six-foot-long juniper that has lots of winter kill. My wife fertilized it with 30-10-10 twice, yep. and it's starting to get some green sprouts, but the top half is still mostly brown. Should we trim the top half off, or what else can we do? Yeah, is it is an upright juniper then? Is that uh, right? It's three say? feet by six feet long. Three feet high, six feet long. Three feet high, six feet long. So it could be a salmon juniper then. So it's a spreading juniper. Right. Okay. If it's a salmon or a or a blue blue dandelion juniper, usually that tall. Uh, so what you can do is you, if you can, you can just either two ways you can do it. One, I've just put some gloves on cause they're prickly. Yeah. They <laughs> and are, I just, yeah. I just rough them up. I just run my hands up the branches and knock off as much brown as you can. Cause a lot of times the green will come out of them. So you can, you can scrape them with your fingernail too, to see whether there's green underneath the branches. Mm-hmm. Then they'll push out new growth out of those. But if there's, if they're brittle or they're Crispy. brown underneath, they just take your pruners and cut them, cut the brown out. Not okay. a problem. Okay. Gary sent us a text. It says our soil is alkaline. Yep. What would I fertilize flowers with? What fertilizer should I use for flower pots that were bought and brought in? And then the last question is, what is bone meal for? So first yep. off, alkaline soil. What do you fertilize the flowers with? A lot of fertilizers don't have alkaline soil, don't have a, a sulfur in it, okay? So what you can do is, you, you for those, you can use a regular fertilizer, but then get some of yourself an aluminum sulfate. Mm-hmm. And then sprinkle some aluminum sulfate to lower the pH of the soil. Okay. And your flowers will do way, 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 way better. They'll bloom better they'll do everything better okay um now the other question is flower is pots flower that were, pots. were bought and brought yep. in so if depending on your on your water if you're high ph water then use an acid based fertilizer okay get a fertilizer more like an evergreen type of fertilizer mm-hmm. okay right. it's usually an acid base and then that way because then you lo- we do that in the green our greenhouse in saskatoon is that we use an acid based fertilizer because in the spring the ph of the river of the river water is up around 8.3 so we have to lower down to get our plants looking as nice as they do. Right. Gotcha. Last question he's got. Uh, Gary wants to know what bone meal is for. What do you use it bone, for? Bone meal is a great starter fertilizer. It has lots of other micronutrients in it, but else this big one is calcium, obviously. But bone meal is a great one for starting bulbs, for starting new little plant seedlings. Sprinkle some in the hole when you're planting. And uh, the plants will just love it and just take right off. Okay. And then also get better blooms, everything. Hmm, all right. Yep. Joe is in PA. Uh, I have irises that never bloomed. The traditional ones and some tall varieties. What can I do to get them to bloom? Need hot sun, not too wet soil. Okay, so a bit on the drier side. Okay. Uh, and lots of sun. So That's they're, two key things. So they got to be like f- south facing, yep, west south facing. If you're in a shady area, they're not going to bloom. Okay, they just won't. And, uh, and so, or if it's too wet, if the area of your sprinklers are hitting them all the time. Mm, yep. And then they're not going to do well as, uh, in that situation either. So just, just a little bit of moisture and, uh, more on the drier side and full sun. 
Uh, this is a question that this next text that, you know, I think has affected a lot of people. And this is Jan, who's uh, in South Saskatchewan area, uh, and says, how do I prevent snow mold? My lawn took a beating. And boy, did the lawns ever take a beating. There's, I'm still dealing with patches right now yep. of stuff that, j- that just burned holes. And yep. I'm trying to get it to regrow. And it's, it's slowly, you know, I've, I've seeded and put some topsoil on top. And it's slowly coming up and creeping in. But man... That, that snow mold. Also, what you want to do now is with snow mold, you want to basically, if you have a big problem with snow mold, let's cut out that fall fertilizer then. Okay. Okay. Let's not keep our lawn looking so lush and green right up until the first snow comes. I want, just like a member I talked earlier about getting the plants to shut down, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we wanted the lawn to shut down too. Slower down the watering. You know, we're done. We're done now. We're, we're past the September long weekend. Let's let that lawn, you know, stress a bit. Get it to shut down just as if we're trying to get the leaves on the tree to change color and drop off, okay? It's a, it's a tough thing to do because when, if you're like me, you want to hang on to every last shred of summer that, know, you, can, that you can. I know. So I made that mistake last year, yep. you know, of like keeping so, the lawn going too so long. So you keep it too long and lush and growing and then the tree, the plant is just, it's stressed all of a sudden goes into the snow and cold and frost. Yeah. And then, then your plant is weak, right? So just make sure that you slow it down a little bit. And if your lawn is really, really green, you don't need to put that fall fertilizer on. Okay. Okay. And just, just leave it and then put your fertilizer on in the spring and away you go again. And then also when the snow starts disappearing, disappearing in the spring, spread that snow quickly. Get the snow. When it does start to melt, get it to melt quick. Okay. Okay. So spread those piles out quick, you know, around, get your snow blower out there, blow it around or shovel it around, get that snow to disappear quickly when it's starting to warm up and then you won't get the snow. Blower. Isn't there something you can spray? There is. You can put a, a, a copper sulfate. There are other ones, but you really can't. There's not, there's other ones that the turf, like the, the golf courses use. Yeah. But they're not retail available, right? Okay. Those type of ones. But so other ones would be as, as Bordeaux copper sulfate. Spraying that under the lawn, kind of at the, the lawn, very, very right end. at the very end, before the snow comes. Okay, right, mm, interesting. Just before the snow comes. Hey, uh, we're gonna go back to uh, the text line when we get back. We can see the the lightning round is coming up, the last segment of our yep. show. So we'll get to as many as we can. We'll be right back after this break. I'm Jay with Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Welcome back to Garden Talk. I'm Jay with Rick Van Dyve and Dyke. Jill is away right now, and we are in the lightning round. So that means that we're going to get through as many texts as we can here, and Rick's going to stick to his guns, and and we're going to get as many as we can answer right okay, now. Here we go. Uh, all right, this is from Heather in Tisdale. I had four mature maple trees die on my boulevard. Why? They're old. Yeah, that that's weird, especially maple trees. Right. The only the only reason that a lot of time we're dying is because in the in the boulevards is because of drought. Okay. There's, yeah. There's no there's no water no water. Out well, there. And, it, and if it's and if it's not a very wide boulevard. Yep. And there's a lot of concrete and pavement around there. Yep. Those roots go out. Yep. And there's nothing for them to feed on. Nothing to feed on. Because the the the, the yep. pavement covers up everything. They've and been doing forever. So they've been doing it forever. But sometimes when you get a long term drought, that that affects them big time. Yeah. Something okay. changes, the water table changes, yep. whatever, right? Or construction and the roots get cut, a whole bunch of things could happen. Right. Carol's in Saskatoon. Good morning. I, investigating holes and small black spots, possibly excrement, yep. on the leaves of my sedum. I found green worms in rolled up leaves. With the worms, with the worms is a milky substance. What is this? How is it treated? Yep. Should I be concerned about my spirea that'll, that are next to it? Yeah. Any, any type of worms, you can use 
product called BTK. Okay. And it's a, you spray it on there. You know what actually hit the bugs because as soon as they eat any of the foliage, they get a tummy ache and die. So okay. that's the best one to use if you've got any kind of caterpillar of any type. So we don't even have to really think about too much about this. Just get that BTK out BTK. there, Carol, yep. and we can get that taken care of yep. so it doesn't get to the spirea. Yep. Uh, this is from Drew in Corman Park. How do you get rid of creeping Charlie in a lawn? Yeah, just basically using your weed killers, and oh, that'll get rid of the adult plants, okay? And then using the bio-weed and feed, which is 100% corn gluten in your lawn. Uh, you, and that will use it as directed. Don't go less. I said that before. It yep. doesn't work if you go less. And it doesn't work at all. It just acts as a fertilizer. So go str- that as much as it says or stronger, and then that'll get rid of the chickweed eventually. Marie is in Watrous. Morning. I was wondering what the best way, the best cover for cabbage and cauliflower. Yeah, using the the crop cover. Uh, yeah. it's, is basically you can use it as a frost blanket or just a crop cover. So it's you're gonna, white. You're going to find that in a garden center. In a garden center, anywhere. Gar- most garden centers will have a crop cover and it comes either in, in different lengths. You can get rolls that are four feet wide, three feet wide, or you can get a, uh, uh they call them, I'm trying to remember the name now, a conch, conch, cock. Kosh, cash. Anyways, it's like a little, um, it's like a little accordion style greenhouse with hoops on it. Right. And it has a fabric right on it. Built onto it. Yeah. Right. And so you just put it over top, it holds it up off the plants and it works really good. Right. Exactly. That one, that one's really yep. easy. So, so you, it's, you can get it in all different styles and sizes and everything else. But it's basically whitish, light fabric yep. that's sort of translucent. Let's the water through it, let's light through it, but keeps the bugs off it. Exactly. Uh, this is Troy in Swift Current. I have a small elm tree growing out of the crook of a large willow tree. <laughs> thought I'd share. Yeah. That's pretty neat. Yeah. Just just like an orchid plant grows up in a tree, right? They use other hosts because in that crook, there's all kinds of mulch and, you know, old pieces of bark, something where the seed landed and actually grew. Well, and and elm trees are famous for seeding themselves, yep, right? Like absolutely. around here where we are along the riverbank in Saskatoon, I mean, yep. there's there's all kinds of trees that were not here ten years ago yep. when I I've worked here for a long time, and and all of a sudden, poof, there's elm trees everywhere, and yep. they just seeds go in, and away yep. you go, a little scraggly tree. Yep. Kayla is an Estevan. I bought a rhododendron three years ago and planted it on the south side of my house. It's still alive, but it's hardly grown. It's about five to six inches tall. Has a few new green leaves, some older reddish leaves. What yep. do I do to give it to get it to grow? Okay, you, yeah, the rhododendrons need more of an acidic type of soil. Okay, so you're going to need to use some aluminum sulfate around it to acidify the soil. It needs to be around a six point five pH. Okay, that's number one key thing, and then also making sure that they are kind of a a zone. Four, three B type of thing. So you need to mulch that plant for the winter time. Okay, protect it basically. Protect it. Yep. Tina is in Shellbrook. Good morning. I have some ferns that have taken over my flower bed. Yep. Can I dig them up and move them now, or do I have to wait? You can move them now as long as you take a good ball of earth with it. Okay. okay. Yeah. I've done it, and so you can do that. Just make sure you're planting them back in another shade spot. Right, and then maintain the moisture. Maintain the moisture, but okay. take a good ball of earth. You'll be fine. What can I do? This is uh, Kenton Weyburn. What can I do about the tree suckers at the base of my linden tree in my yard? Yep, so cut them down because every time you cut them, you, call, call us, you make a stool bed, and that makes every time you make one cut, then you get two, two new stems come up. So cut them right down to the ground as low as you can, and then get a product called Advance or another product called Top Gun. 
and uh, and then those two items only burn the new leaves off. So every week you go check. As soon as you get a leaf coming out of where those where that stool bed is, spray those leaves right away. Don't let them get tall. Don't let them get in two or three inches tall. Spray them right away once a week, and then that'll burn them off. And then you won't get the stool bed. You won't get you'll be able to control. Is is not a so it's a prevention. It's you always will have these one coming up every year. You're just trying to keep it so that you're not getting this bigger and bigger and bigger stool bed and getting worse and worse and worse. Right. You can't prevent the tree from doing that. No. You can just sort of stay on top of you're it. You're staying on top of it so it's not a big mess and making it worse and worse. Right. Okay. Uh, this is from somebody I don't know, but uh, <laughs> good text anyways. Do ants eat carrot seeds or any vegetable seeds? I tried putting a board on top of the carrot seeds to help with the germination to keep the soil from drying out. But when I look under the board to take a look, there was just a mass of ants and no seeds germinated. No, the ants just love the spot because you put a board for them to, to go underneath where the soil's cooler. Yeah, and keep and it cool. And so that, that's all. They normally, they might carry the seeds away, possibly, but not likely. And so um, you just made a, 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 an area for them to be able to have a home underneath because they love to be underneath things. So, but otherwise, uh, best to do is not have that board there. Uh, if you want, use a crop cover instead. Uh, it works better because it lets light and lets air movement because if you have a board, sometimes your carrot seeds will just rot underneath there. Okay. We're going to stop right there. Joe is on the line. Joe, hang on. We're going to get to your call just as we get off the air here. We're just running out of time in the show. And there's one text we get and didn't get to from Diane and Langham. We'll text you back, Diane. That so. was the fastest two hours. Just that gone. by. <laughs> Uh, Have fun. Yeah, exactly. We'll be here at the same time, same place next weekend. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. I'm Jay with Rick Van Dyke. You've been listening to Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.